Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. We've been in our series on 3D, and it's been a great series on declarations that determine our destiny. And I'm going to bring that series uh, down to our last installment today as uh, we look on flipping the script in our life, flipping the script on our life. One thing that is true for all of us is our lives move in the direction of our words. That uh, you came here today because you said, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. And so you followed that in your life and you made your way here. Or if you're online, you woke up as you're sitting there in your PJs and you snapped on the TV or whatever it is and you said, I'm going to do this because I'm determined to do it. And so we realize our lives move in the direction of our words. And let me tell you this, anything that involves the future involves the fight in our lives. Can I hear an amen? Anything that involves the future involves the fight in our lives. And we are not alone in the fight. We've sung about that today. The Lord is in the fight with us. Amen, church? So I want to take us to James chapter 3 today because this is a great portion of Scripture that talks about our words and the direction of our words as we say them and how our life follows after them. James chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, a bit, or your Scripture might say a bridle in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. And it says, a small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course for that ship in the face of the strongest winds, even though the wind might be blowing in different directions. There's a saying I'm sure you've heard, one ship sails east, another west, while the self-same breezes blow, but it's the set of the sail and not the wind that determines where the boat will go. So the set of the sail... The rudder on a ship, that's what James is telling us here in this chapter, you could think of this like a steering wheel on our automobile, same kind of analogy that is being used here in this passage. He goes on and he says in this portion of scripture, a word out of your mouth, you may seem like it's no big deal, it may seem like it's of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything. Like, don't put limits on the power of the declaration of your words. Don't ever limit that. If your rudder is set, your tongue is set in the right direction, he says you can accomplish nearly anything or you could destroy it as well. He is saying in the same way that a bridle is used to set the direction of a horse, that that bridle used, that bit in the tongue, in the mouth of that horse, can control that horse that is very large. A rudder on a ship is used to determine the direction of the ship. Our words determine the direction of our life. And you might think of it like this, because I want you to think of this in depth in our heart, and what we say internally, and what we say externally. We might think of it like this. When we let our emotions, our worry, our doubts, our fears take over our steering wheel of our lives, they lead us towards greater worry, greater doubts, and greater fears. 
That's so true. And that doesn't help anything in our life, does it? it? In fact, it literally takes us to greater confusion. Like, I'm not close to God, or I've never felt close to God. People say these words. That's not going to make you feel like God's hands on your life and like he's providing all of your needs, is it? That's not going to cause you to sense his presence, his peace, and the goodness of God when you continue to talk like that. What it does is it actually accentuates the frustration, the fear, the doubt, discouragement. You, you, you ever heard this? We've all said this. You make me so mad. You're driving me crazy. How many times have we said that to people, right? Well, let me tell you something. You don't get out of crazy talking about being driven to crazy. How many of you are with me, right? That's not how you get out of it, right? That's right. These kind of words, these kind of feelings grow, which cause us to feel helpless, cause us to feel hopeless, and cause us to feel discouraged. But if we get the right words, can somebody shout right words? You got it. If we get the right words, God's word, in our heart and in our mouth, we, it will take us to God's strength, God's purpose. The right words will lift us, will help us, will encourage us, and move us towards God's best for our future. I believe that God has a better future for us in Jesus' name. I don't know about you. Amen. Yeah, I'm not one of those doomsdayers that's out there that, oh man, it's only going to continue to get worse. And if you just listen to the news every day, and there, there's impending doom that's coming, my Lord, help us. No, 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 I don't, no, 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 no. In Christ, I don't believe that way because his word says differently than that. Amen? That, that's what I believe, God's word. And so we need to take our words and build each other up and build us up. He says this is that, you gotta understand, there's incredible force with your words. In one breath, we have the power to build up and we have the power to tear down. That's what the scripture verse is saying. We have that power. We, inside of our mouths, have the power to do that. The Bible tells us the tongue is a fire and which the devil constantly seeks to ignite into us and wants to ignite into the world around us that would try to destroy us. One word wrongly spoken has often been the cause of broken friendships and family feuds, but that is not God's plan. That same fire can be used to edify and encourage others. When it comes to relationships that we have with one another, God wants us in the construction business, not in the destruction business. Can I hear an amen? He wants us in the construction, not deconstruction, like say to destruct it and destroy it. How many of you know we saw for, for a while there, just a couple weeks ago, the, the, the big ship that was stuck in the Suez Canal in the Middle East? The rudder, because of the captain pointed it there, moved into the side of that, and, uh, and, and it was stuck there for, what was it, over a week, and it caused a traffic jam in the Suez Canal where ships could not get through to get its shipment and its delivery system through. Over a billion dollars was lost because the ship was steered in the wrong direction and ran aground. Amazing. This is what he's saying here. The Bible also says the tongue is like a bit 
on the horse's mouth. It's something so small, yet it commands the direction of something so large. Large. So your words have the power to direct the course of your life towards positive or negative ends. Every person in this room has a script that you live by. Every person. If you're alive, you have a script. And that script every day comes into our heart. We wake up with a script in our heart and our mind. Just like it's before they write a movie, there's a script for it. Before they write a play, computer programs, they're all scripted out of how they want it to go. You and I have a script. Remember we said last week that the psalmist says that our tongue is a ready writer. That we script it. Our tongue is the ready writer. That we script every day what we're going to say. What am I saying? Your script has the power to direct the rest of your life. That's true. We all have stumbled in how we lived our lives somewhere, somehow. And no one is perfect. The Bible says that the perfect person, though, has the bridled tongue. Therefore, he or she is able to bridle all of what takes place in their life and, and help remove the stumbling blocks. And believe me, I, I have said things in my life I wish I could have taken back. How about you? Words that were spoken out of season, wrong words. Words that were spoken out of anger, being mean, out of my own frustration, whatever it is. Spoken words have such potency. They can motivate, instruct, and console, but they also can discourage, confuse, and they can devastate. For this reason, we should choose what we say and care for one another and build each other up instead of tearing each other down. The world can live that way, but it shouldn't. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should be people that build each other up and should encourage each other and should be there for one another and lift each other in the day that we live in. There are many things that you and I hear in our hearing because people spoke them into our lives when we grow up. Your parents spoke words, whatever they were, whether they were good or bad. In my hearing, there are words that my parents spoke into me of encouragement. And yes, they told me when I did something wrong as well, right? When I rebelled against them. But I remember the words that they spoke inside of me. As I've gotten older, I understand God's word more. And as I get older, I recite God's word over my life. There are so many times that I am throughout the day reciting God's word in my heart. As I'm driving my car, I am reciting God's word in my heart because I know the enemy is a liar because he keeps saying and speaking those lies to me. So I have to speak the word of the Lord, the word of life, into my certain situation and scenario. The day that you and I decide to say, I am strong, the day that you and I decide, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Scripture, are you saying, John, if I say that, then everything will be all right? No, no, no. What I'm saying is that day that you begin to say that and you begin to change your words and your script, you begin to start something new in your life. That's what I'm saying. What is the scripting of your heart telling you today? Maybe that everything that you've done, you've tried, you failed, that you're powerless, that the enemy has beaten the brakes off of your life, and you're like, man, it's, I'm going down. And sometimes that's all that plays in us. You may feel like there's no way that I can break. 
out of the depression that I'm going to. Like there's a cycle of addiction in my family or there is a dysfunctional family history. If you have a dysfunctional family history, welcome to the crowd, baby, because we all are there. Are you with me today? Come on, are you with me, church? I just want to know for people that are coming to the doors of this church, this is not a perfect church. Every one of us have some sort of dysfunction. And it's not that we want to stay there, but come on, let's just speak it out and say, hey, yeah, that's what it is, but it's not going to stay there. I'm not going to continue to live in dysfunction, right? And, and so you need to know that. And so there's some of you in this room right now that you keep saying to yourself, you are a terrible, rotten parent. I'm not a good grandparent. I'm a bad dad. I'm a bad mom. Or maybe it's personality. You know, I'm just not a people person. My point is, if you keep following that script, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's the direction you will go in the future of your life. And if you keep on that script and you follow that script, that is where it's going to take you. That is what James 3 is saying. That's where it takes you, because that's where you've pointed the rudder on the ship. You're just going to get more of the same. You, you know what? You don't get strong by always talking about how weak you are. The only way that you get strong is to use the words of God, words that are in agreement with what God says and not what you feel. It doesn't say, let the weak admit it. Right? We talked about this last week. Let the weak say, I am that's right. It's not walking around saying, hey, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. No, no, no. Let the weak say, I am strong. You have to flip the script. And so you have to understand that. This is what we call scripting and steering. So what do you do when you're not a perfect parent? Scripting and steering. What do you do when you're not the most perfect Christian? Scripting and steering. What do you do today if you feel depressed? It's scripting and steering. See, Satan has a plan to destroy you and me. He's got a plan, and when you stop and think about it, you may not realize or know it, but that is his agenda every single day. But Jesus has a plan to empower you. And he said, I have come that you have life and life more what? Abundant, right? Abundantly. So you got Satan's plan to destroy you, and you got Jesus' plan to give you the best life possible this side of heaven. But your declarations cast the final vote. Your declarations and my declarations in our life cast the final vote in agreement with God's word. From the day of your salvation, the day you and I gave our life to God, salvation came by what? Well, yeah, our faith, but he says if you confess with your mouth, right? It's the confession, it's the speaking out that is so important that I, you said something in essence like, I confess that I'm a sinner, I believe, Jesus, you are my Savior, come and live in me and change my life from this day forward, you're the leader and Lord. It all started with some type of verbiage like that, that changes not only your eternal destination, but your daily declaration. That is how powerful it is. And every day, the battle rages in our life in your words. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm saying your words are so important. Your words. Some people don't realize the spiritual nature of their words. Some people don't know that the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 14 that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
That's how powerful the word, the logos, is in our life. Jesus enveloped the word of God. That all of the world, world was spoken into existence, that is his creative power. So whenever we use our words, it's like we send our boat in that direction. And then guess what? That's where our lives follow. And so it's so important to know that whatever your words are going towards, that is where your life is moving to today, tomorrow, and in the future of your life. So let me give you three things today and the remainder of our time together. There are, there are many things that we can use our words for. I'm going to give you three today that I feel are so important and so vital. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, following along on our church app under sermon notes, number one, use your words to self-identify with who God says you are. We hear a lot about identity theft today and the vulnerability and the risk that it's involved. This is not only in the natural, I want you to know, but it is in the spiritual, in every person's life. Our enemy will try over and over again to steal our God-given identity by having us identify the worst in us all the time. In the Bible, there's a story of four young Hebrew guys who were taken to Babylon and forced into slavery. And one of the things that the enemy did was the first thing that the enemy did was change their names. Daniel chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the chief official. Now, this is now the enemy that they're being forced to be a slave under gave them the new names. What were they? To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah. Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. If you grew up in Sunday school or going to church, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? If you've heard the story about these three guys, how many of you heard the story about these three guys? Yeah, many of you have. Isn't it interesting that you learned their Babylonian given name, you know them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That was not their real names. But that is all we know them by. Isn't it interesting? We as believers only know, for the most part, their Babylonian names and not their God-given name. But when they got taken into captivity... They wanted to completely brainwash them and change them to change their names completely. And I'm going to talk to you about what these three names, as you go through it, as you look at them, the four of them, what their names meant by God and what the enemy changed them to. And I think it's going to be very revealing to the world we live in right now. Daniel originally meant God is my judge. The new name that was given by the enemy, was a female gender name. Lady, protect the king. There is a shift that took place. The first thing the Babylonians did was change the gender of Daniel. They also shifted the focus from God to human. With this new name, Daniel's identity changed from a man held accountable by an all-powerful God to that of a woman who must protect her sovereign. Hananiah, 
Yahweh has been gracious. To Shadrach, I am fearful of God. Not fear in a good way, but an unhealthy fear. He goes from a name that declares his love for God to an unhealthy fear of God. The Babylonians changed the focus from, being, from God being good to God being bad over his life. Instead of viewing God as kind and loving and gracious, his new name echoed fear. That it's like being in front of and standing in front of a monster as a dictator. The next one is Mishael. Who can compare to my God? No one. That's what God put over him. And it got changed to the enemy uh, name, I am despised and humiliated. Isn't that amazing? So he goes from confidence to being a coward by name. There is a shift that took place there. The last one, Azariah, God named him Yahweh has helped to the servant of Nebo, or I am a slave of my enemy. Azariah went from being a slave of the heir of Yahweh, being a son of the heir of Yahweh, to a slave of another man. And let me have you understand this for today, because I think if you really think about this deeply, this is the culture that we live in today, that people are messed up about their genders. We got young people that are searching. We got adults that are searching on, wow, I was born this way, but no, I can change over time to be this. And I know that there's a struggle out there. But listen, I think we can be very clear and loving as a church. We understand that people go through searching and trying to get their identity, especially as a young person. But man, let me tell you something. How you were born is how God created you to be, and he defined you that way. And you should be happy about that because he's blessed you with that gender. Amen? The enemy is trying to change your name. The enemy is trying to change your identity as a Christian. He's trying to take you into his camp and try to lie to you and tell you what you are not and and the different in how God created you to be. And so the enemy is doing that to every single one of us or trying. And he he wants us to see ourselves in a way that we were not meant to. He wants to rob us of the God-given identity by putting words on you and by putting labels on you so that he can keep you stuck and keep you from declaring who you are in God and what God named you to be. And here's what I want you to understand. The names you allow to label you often title the scripts you live by. Here's what W.C. Field said. It ain't what they call you, it's what you answer to. When you come to understand who God has created you to be, you truly understand your authority and your anointing in him. When you come to understand that God's already defined me, he is my creator, it frees you from the lies that the enemy keeps telling you. See, the enemy wants you to get stuck in the definition of yourself to make you think you're under his captivity, his control. Because remember, his promise is to destroy you. And when our culture shifts, and our culture is shifting, we need to know who we are. We need to teach our young people who they are. We need to teach our children who they are. We need to teach them. That's what I'm saying. 
Parents, don't leave it up to the church to just teach your kids who they are. You need to be speaking that into their heart when they're in your home. You need to speak the truth into their heart. Because let me tell you something. They're going to go to school. They're going to go to the campus. They're going to live in the world we live in. But they're going to hear a lie from the enemy that keeps telling them what they're not. God has already defined them. We need to speak that into one another. We need to speak that into one another as friends that are here. Adults are dealing with this as well. Even beyond children and, and students. And so you understand that we understand that God determines our worth and not the world. But so much of what we do, we try to get our worth from the world. In case you wonder if what I said a moment ago, you're thinking, I'm not sure if that rings true about you casting the final vote. Look at Matthew 12, 37. By your words you are acquitted, or by your words you are condemned. That's Scripture. So by your words you are set free of labels, and by your words, you become that. You're condemned to live that way if you allow it. It is self-condemning words, and it's saying, and it's driving it further into your heart. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, when my life gets better, then I'll talk about it being better. That is not how it works, church. That is not even Scripture. Even our hopelessness and darkness, you can start to speak out declarations that will lead you to a new and a better place. That's how it works. Lead with your words. Words first. Lead with your declarations because your life goes in the direction of those words. So you, need, you and I need to begin to learn to flip the script in our lives today. Words that you're scripting on your heart, moving you in a new and a better identity. Number two, use your words Use your words to encourage yourself and cultivate what you want with your life. Can, can, can somebody say, I'm using my words to encourage? That's right. We're scripting and steering. I want you to use your words to encourage yourself and cultivate what you want in your life. One of the biggest barriers is that we feel like if we use positive words, oh, I get this, I get this, I know why I'm preaching this. I know some of you are like, hmm, yeah, I'm not too sure about all this, this stuff. Oh, I know. See, one of the biggest barriers that we feel is if we use positive words when we are in a negative situation that we are not facing reality, that we are living in denial. And so that becomes a barrier to this message and to what I'm sharing. Many of us do this. I'm just speaking it like it is. Ooh, really? I'm just backing the dump truck up, and I'm just going to unload all this crap on you because you need to hear it, and I've got something to say. And so that becomes our mindset, and it allows that negative reality, we have to come right back at it and say, no, no, I'm not going to use those words to describe that. What I want to help you with today is this. You don't have to deny reality to speak confidently in the Lord. Do you hear me? You don't have to deny reality to speak confidently. Jesus looked at people and said, you're sick. Sometimes we got hyper faith and weird stuff going on that people are like, oh, I'm not going to say that. Jesus told people, you need to be made whole. You're sick. You're a sinner. You need to be forgiven. You, you need to be made whole. If Jesus did it all, why can't I? doesn't mean I'm saying, hey, you're going to be sick forever. 
what we're doing is we want to encourage this, and God's Word is trying to encourage this in our life, that we're encouraging one another's, another in words that cultivate something that you want more of in your life. That's what it is, cultivate. I hope you get that word cultivate in you. Let me give you an example. When I say I love my family, on some days, that's not how I feel. How about you? Can I get a witness today in the house? Okay, come on. Some of you are like, wow, I didn't realize I was coming to a church that's going to actually speak the truth. Now listen, it's how we want it to be that I love my family. We're not talking about basing our words on our current feelings, our current reality. We're talking about cultivating something that's deeper inside of us, right? Because if something were to happen right now to a family member of ours, well, man, really, what is inside of us? Love. Because I love my family, right? So we're tapping into that and we're cultivating something that maybe behind the clouds and maybe can't be seen at that moment or on that day. That I love my family. I love my wife. I love my husband. I love my children. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my church. So you are cultivating greater love, greater patience. You're developing greater confidence is what God's doing in my life, in my marriage, and what he wants to do, and with your children. It's not, it's not displacing the reality, but it's speaking confidently, right? Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I love that scripture verse. Two chapters before this, David was crying out for deliverance from lying lips. He comes to this. I was glad they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David says, sharp arrows of warriors came against him. He was honest and open, but what he did in spite of that was he used his words to cultivate what he wanted more in his life. So I want to go to the house of the Lord. David always came back praising God no matter how he felt. Today, you not only said you want to be in God's house, you arrived here today because you cultivated that in your heart and you followed what you wanted in your heart. Listen, even though it rains here and, and there's clouds in the Shenandoah Valley, there's still a mountain out there. The sky will clear and the rain will go, but in spite of all of that, I might not be able to see it because of the fog or because of the clouds. There's still a mountain out there and the clouds are gonna go and the rain's gonna go and the sun is gonna shine. Amen? That's the truth. We can't afford to say what's on our minds all the time and I want you to get this, and we can't afford to be around people who do. In my life, the most challenging seasons with the right scripting are actually better than my easier seasons with the wrong scripting. Tell your neighbor you need this. Now tell your other neighbor we can do this. Yeah, we need this. We all need it. And tell your neighbor we can do this. We can do this. Because I know the power of our mouth, and so do you. And, and, and it's not just the pressure that's going on around you. It's what's going on inside of you, that, that you and I need to leverage the power of our declarations more than ever before. This is a funny story inside of a scripture. You've heard of this story before, but I'm just going to kind of summarize it. In, 
And it's in the Bible where Moses, Old Testament, was leading the people of God, and he went to God in frustration about the people he was leading. Do you remember that? Now, the reason I think this is funny because, because of this congregations, which all of you are part of a congregation, right, of a church, and congregations oftentimes realize they don't like something about the pastor, Right? You can laugh at that. It's okay. I, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, you know, I am one. So, I, What doesn't dawn on the congregation is that oftentimes the pastor doesn't like them. Little word of truth here today, okay? Just being open and transparent. I love you. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, that just crushed me. No, I love you. But come on, okay? Let's just talk about this for just a moment. Because you understand. Some of you are like, wow, that was just real honest. <clears throat> you know, when we, we, we start feeling that way, right? We start saying, but those words that are negative, we need to flip the script. We need to flip the script. God, I love my church. And I'm thankful for the leadership. I'm thankful for the volunteers at Abundant Life Church. I'm thankful for their lives that they give, right? And then I, as a pastor, say, God, thank you for the church that I get to pastor. Thank you for the volunteers, for the teachers, the musicians, the teams, all throughout this church. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the ones that come along that make me better by way of patience. Right? You can say it too. The ones who test me and push me right to my limit. You got to flip the script in your life. You know, because it won't help you to say, our church isn't like this. Our church isn't like that. But when you start to say, I love my church because Jesus, you died for this church. Also, if you don't like it, be the change rather than the complainer. We have an amazing church, and there are amazing people in this house. That's a cultivator. Three, use your words to increase your faith in God. Because we've said this, faith is like a seed. Everyone has some level of faith in this room. Now, you may have faith in things, or in a person, but every person here operates from some sort of faith. When it comes to God, Jesus looked at people in the eye in Mark eleven twenty two and said, have faith in God. No one can grow your faith like you can. And let me tell you this, what others say to you is not nearly as powerful as what you say to you. Psalm 91.2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, others may say, God's not there for me. He's only let me down. But here's what I'm going to say, God. God, you are my refuge and you are my fortress and in you I trust. I'm going to come right back at that pattern in my life that would try to live in a negative effect and come right back at it because I'm speaking God's word. God, you are my refuge and you are my fortress. You are my deliverer 
in you I trust. What will you declare? Will you say nothing about God? Or will you say today, hey, he's my refuge, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer because, God, I trust in you. And so I'm asking this church to flip the script in your life and in this church. You need to begin to flip the script in your marriage. Or those that are single in this room, you need to begin to flip the script. Or every young person that's here, you need to begin to flip the script. And if you don't flip that script where there was brokenness, there was something that got written on you, and and you get to a certain point with your spouse, and that thing begins to come out of you as the thing that is the possibility to destroy you. Maybe today there's there's a word that's been scripted in your heart, abandonment or betrayal, and it keeps you from having a loving and caring conversation to make you stronger. And so rather than being stronger, what happens is, is you react and you lash out in fear. And I want you to take the power of this series on declarations to begin to flip the script. And I promise you, by the power of God and by the power of your words, you will become what God has declared over your life already, having flipped the script. I mean, do you want that? I do. We're cheering for you to do it. So that's the challenge. Let's start to begin to flip the script. Instead of believing the worst, you begin to see God's best. You flip the script. Instead of believing a lie, you speak the truth, and you flip the script. That's what you do. You have to change it. You and I have to push right back because all that stuff is coming in on us. But we're reminded in God's word, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The pushback is greater than the push in. That's God's truth. That's God's word. And we will declare. So here you have four Hebrew boys thrown into the fiery furnace. Why? Because of their faithfulness to God. Hey, don't be surprised if you are thrown into a fiery furnace because of your faithfulness to God, because it happened to people in the Old and New Testament. Okay? So let's not be surprised at that. It's easy to talk about, but it really is difficult to go through. The fiery furnace, why? We are faithful to God. You're going to the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, nope, you're going in there. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to wipe you out. And so Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, they go in and they found in that moment because they understood that their name was defined by their creator and God and what their names meant that through it all, they trusted God and God delivered them. Our culture is changing. And you better know what God has called you. And we better know how God has defined us as his people and as this church in these days. We have to be clear on that message and on that word to push back. To push back in these days that we have a name that God has declared over us, and we can confidently and boldly move forward in faith in the day and age we live and tell other people about Jesus and let them know there is hope and they don't have to stay in a negative pattern, in depression, in discouragement, and constantly live in fear and worry and in doubt because, listen, 
even though there's clouds there, there's still a mountain out there. There's still a mountain out there, and God is greater. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the word that you have declared over us in this series. And Lord, I thank you for your word that you will keep declaring over us, God, throughout this day. Words of life. Words, God, that bring us hope and not fear. Words that bring us strength and not discouragement. Lord, and I thank you for that today. And I give you the praise and I give you the glory and I give you the thanks, Lord, for what you have called us and how you have defined us. Father, I pray that we would walk in it, we would live in it, and we would be people that encourage one another in these days, Lord because of the greater days ahead in the future that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.